You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, I'm Michael Callahan. And I'm TJ Newton. Welcome Welcome to to Generations. Generations. This is episode three, and we are talking about the rehearsal process. If you didn't get a chance to listen to episodes one and two, we talked about auditions. And we just thought it was an organic way to move forward that the next episode be about the rehearsal process. We've got two amazing guests that have graced the stage of Broadway and national tours and new theater and Disney+. Plus. So let's start with introducing yourselves. Hi, my name is Aaron Alcaraz. I'm from Los Angeles and now based here in New York. Went to school for musical theater at Ithaca College. And yeah, I'm an actor and excited to be here talking with y'all. Hi, I'm Sally Wilford. I'm from outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, and I went to Eastern Kentucky University and majored in theater. And I've been in New York City for a very long time. And I have been in many rehearsal rooms and actually have shared a rehearsal room with Aaron and with TJ. That's right. Sally and I just worked together at Theater Under the Stars in Houston in a brand new musical, The Secret of My Success. Yes, with Mr. Ben Fankhauser, right? Yes, with Ben Fankhauser. We had so much fun and we helped get a brand new musical up on its feet under the fabulous direction of Dan Connectus. And that rehearsal process was a completely different beast. But I want to know, do you two have a favorite rehearsal process that comes to mind? I have two. One was uh, for my Broadway debut in Mean Girls. It was fast and furious, but I was lucky enough, my dance captain, his name is Brendan Stimson, shout out Brendan. He took such good care of me. I was coming in as a swing to a show that had already been running for about two years. And so I was very nervous. Again, Broadway debut. So like the last thing I wanted to do was like be bad at my job for my first thing on Broadway. Brendan met me where I was. He taught so patiently and gave me the time to like leave and like come back and like make things better little by little. Still taught me the show in four days and I felt very taken care of the entire time. Plus the excitement of course of it being my Broadway debut. And then second I think would be Trevor, the show that I did with Mm -hmm. Sally. It was Mm -hmm. so lovely, the people were just so nice and so welcoming. And it was a great room every single day. Like I was genuinely so happy to come to work every day. It was wonderful. 
Michael, do you have a favorite? I do actually. I got my equity card in 2012 from a Gunkwit Playhouse doing Damn Yankees. I was still in college at the time, so it was a summer stock gig that I was doing between my junior and senior years of college. Jeffrey Denman was the director choreographer and he was such an amazing person to be in the room with, so creative. I was the youngest guy in the room, so I just watched everything and soaked in everything that I possibly could. And it was with this amazing cast of people that I still work with now. And I remember that on breaks, I would sit in the corner and read comic books because I'm a big comic book nerd. Jeffrey spotted it and he came over to me and he was like, hey, I love that your characters were gonna read comic books in the show. Like during the games when you're sitting on the bench. And then Jeffrey and I created this baseball character in the show who completely centered around comic books. And that was like his thing. And it was the first time that a creative had taken a little piece of me that he noticed and said, that has to be in the show. That makes so much sense for this. Let's go off that. To be so young and have a creative notice a little thing about me and put it in the show was so inspiring to me and so exciting and made me feel like my little ensemble character was a part of this process. Well, to have a creative team that wants to be collaborative with the cast is just the best feeling because sometimes when you hop into a show that already exists or is already running, you don't get that opportunity and you feel like you're just a cog in the wheel. But when the creative team wants to put some of you in the show, there's nothing better than that. I like being the small fish in the pond. Like I like learning from people who've been doing it so much longer than me. One of my top five would be I played Margaret in the Light in the Piazza, and it's now The Rev, but it was when it was Finger Lakes Theater Festival yes. and um, the Brett Smock. It was an extraordinary group of people. It was a role that scared the living daylights out of me as well, but fit like a glove. And I also had the privilege that I got to work with Adam Gettle before I did it. And so it was just like one of these amazing experiences where it was beautiful production values. Brett is one of those artists, that, uh, directors that likes to rake through everything and understand every moment. And it was just rich. It was just rich. I felt like I had been in rehearsals for two months, even though it was only 10 days. And then I think right. one other one as I did an off-Broadway show with Transport Group called Sea Rock City. Um, which there's a great cast recording of it as well. That's Jack Cummings, and he he creates this environment. We were the set. We created the set as the audience walked in. They were like vignettes within the piece, and we all collaborated on building. Like there was a, an automobile, and we were the automobile. We we became the automobile, and it was so environmental and collaborative and, and hot in the sticky, nasty summer, paid $2.50. It didn't matter. Those are two pretty high on my list. DJ, what about you? You know, I'm very lucky in that I've had more good rehearsal processes than bad. One that really sticks out would be In the Heights in 2013. I was a junior in college getting ready to go into my senior year and I went to an ECC in New York and waited till the end of the day and got seen and they just happened to be looking for the track that I ended up getting and uh, it was in Pittsburgh and we were making very little money but it was the first time I was put up so I felt so cool. It was a dream show. The rights for the show had just been released and I think I enjoyed it so much because the company of actors that they had gotten together was so grateful to be there. In the Heights is a show that so many Latinx and black and brown people hold very close to our hearts. And I think everyone was so thrilled to be able to get to tell the story. And I made some really 
lifelong friends from that production, which is now, you know, 10 years ago, which is really wild to think about. But we really did create a familia, you know, we really did create a family. And to get to learn and grow in a rehearsal room with people that you feel supported by and a creative team that you feel supported by, there's nothing like it. And that really started off my New York career, I'll say. And it was a highlight, a highlight to this day. That's so great. So diving more into the rehearsal process, or rather prepping for the rehearsal process, what is something you find very exciting about the rehearsal process? And what's something that you find very daunting about the rehearsal process? If it's something that, you're, um, that you've been cast in that is, say, um, a pretty hefty role, and you have time to, to, actually, <laughs> to actually prepare for it, <clears throat> sometimes I feel like I can get myself worked up too much towards it, I get, I, I can intimidate myself about something. And it isn't until you hit the first day of the rehearsal room that you're like, okay, finally, I can actually do the work and not imagine what the work's gonna be or imagine what it's going to be like communicating with, with you know, all of these new people and new personalities. So I, I think I get very excited. I can't wait for it to start. And I, I like to be as prepared as possible, but there's also times where I like to not prepare as much so that I can not get in my own way with nerves and just, you know, just, just be in the moment and feel and not try to project something that may or may not happen. Along the similar lines as Sally's, and it's the same answer to both of your questions. It's really exciting to think of all the possibilities that could happen in a rehearsal process, especially when you get there and the team is really about having an open and a safe space to hear the actor's opinions and to really collaborate and to make sure that the show is something that comes from everyone in the room and it really feels like a piece of everyone is a part of it. Um, that's always really exciting and something to look forward to, but especially before the rehearsal process starts, that's also something that scares me as an actor because I'm sure I'm not the only one. There's that feeling of like, oh God, like did they make a mistake in casting me? Like, am I going to get there? And like, there are going to be so many things they want me to do and I'm not going to be able to do it. And they're going to be like, oh, well, guess he's not going to, you know, be quite what we wanted, but we're stuck with him now. Like all those thoughts run through my head. And it's not until like even like week two or three of the rehearsal process when I can like hopefully let that go. Well, Aaron, it sounds like you have an inner saboteur too. Oh my God, yes. You know, I actually have this superstition about announcing the projects I'm doing until I'm physically there at the theater in the building. I'm always convinced that <laughs> these theaters made a mistake and sent their contract and offer to the wrong person. So I will never announce that I am going somewhere <laughs> before I actually get there, just in case they did make a mistake. You tell your loved ones. Oh yeah, I tell my loved ones, but like I won't post on Instagram for the public to see because I'm just nervous that it was all a mistake. I am the same exact way. Like usually if you're, if I'm part of an original rehearsal process and there's like a, like a press release that goes out, I will wait until that comes out. And then I'll like share that first, just to like be on the safe side. 
And even when telling my loved ones, like, I try to keep that very small because just in case, like, shit hits the fan, you never know, truly. <laughs> Especially, like, when you have deprecating thoughts that I have. <laughs> even when I made Back to My Broadway debut, like, when they finally told me that I could tell people, I asked, like, five times. I was like, are you, are you sure? Like, do you want to see me rehearse first or, like, do anything? And they're like, no, no, like, you can. <laughs> You're in the show. I think mine is less my imposter syndrome and more of my practical mind taking over, just trying to figure out logistics. So I'm like, I need to make sure that I know my music by day five. And I'm like cranking through the calendar in my brain, like creating goals and like <laughs> feasible, achievable steps to get myself to the end. But to be honest, what I'm finding actually most daunting about the rehearsal process right now is the lack of time that's being given to it and I mean, that's something I'm really sad about actually because it's such an important part of a show's process and right now I feel like we live in a world that's a little bit more quantity over quality I mean I get excited to god forbid have two weeks to rehearse a show and it's really unfortunate because I think it puts an unfair weight on everyone involved the people on stage the people backstage sometimes you get a rehearsal schedule and you're like I have three days to learn act one. And that doesn't mean that we aren't professional. That doesn't mean that we can't get the work done. But at a certain point, you are sacrificing the quality of your production when everyone involved feels rushed. I'm older than all of you guys. And I had the, the privilege to come up at a time, I mean, before social media, before, you know, before many things, let's just say that. And I mean, it was luxurious. Uh, I remember it always there was there was never a rehearsal where we didn't sit at the table and read the play like yeah. that was a standard I on one hand the amount of times I've done a table read in the rehearsal truly. that was yeah. I mean I I remember the first time that I didn't do it and I was like what what's happening because it's the time that everyone gets to energetically be in the piece together you know we all know there's shows where there's people in the show you don't even share it with TJ you and I never shared the stage together in the show we just did. So it's an, it's an interesting thing. And we did get to read the play. We yes. were, remember on our first day, we got to read the play, which I was like, oh my God, I did a production of Kiss Me Kate. And I was, I remember, are we not reading? Oh, okay. We're not reading the play. Okay. That feels yeah. like such a no brainer to get everyone on the same page. And it's kind of really now the standard to just go, 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 go. Yeah. I know. It's. It, I feel like so many times I will get to the first day of rehearsal and we'll, everyone will be greeting each other and welcoming each other. And then someone, usually the director, will be like, all right, like we only have this amount of time to put the show together. And it puts pressure on everyone. It's a lot of pressure on the creative team, too, because yes. they have the weight of the show on their shoulders. And so even especially when it gets to tech, which already is historically a time when tensions can be high, but especially if they haven't had enough time to get things to the way they want it to be, even more so, like, the creative team is on edge. And, like, and then when you start doing performances, when you don't feel like you're ready, like, then the actors are like, well, now it's up to us to try and sell this, even though, like, we changed something today and don't know what we're supposed to be doing. With these short rehearsal processes, that balance, Sally, that you were talking about of coming in prepared but not too prepared, it's a really fine line to figure out. And unfortunately, the shorter the rehearsal process, the more it 
forces the actor to have some kind of idea of what they're going to do on day one with no context, really. Sometimes it is good not to be as prepared. Um, mm. I'm a procrastinator by nature. I was growing up, I was just always the last, you know, I waited till the last damn dog dies to do anything. And I think that that also adds to my adrenaline. It also, I think if you're not as prepared, sometimes you go on your gut instincts and you don't question, you're just like, that feels right. And you do it. I think there's times to be super prepared. And I think there's times to not be as prepared and let let your instincts take over a little bit more. Going either direction is unbalanced, but that sweet spot in the middle <laughs> is, that's it. Like that's where you want to yeah. be. Yeah, regardless of if it's a brand new show or like a show that has been around and like we're doing like our own production of it, I like to be familiar, but not necessarily off book, if that makes sense, because I want to not get locked in into things before I'm in a space with everyone else. But I do want to have read the play and script a couple of times so that I know I have an idea of how I want to approach things and then still have the room to kind of shift and morph with everyone else in the room. And if they don't give me the script, I usually will email and ask for some sort of copy so that I at least can be somewhat quote unquote prepared before we start. For me, it's a show by show basis, but I guess in this post COVID world, I approach things a little more intensely. I was in the musical Something Rotten out in the spring in Salt Lake City, and I played the minstrel, but I covered Nick Bottom, which is the Brian Darcy James part, which is a huge, huge undertaking. So I knew that I wanted to leave New York being off book. And I was. And I made sure I was completely memorized so that in case anyone got COVID, in case I got thrown on because of a fitting, that I was as prepared as possible. Because because we know COVID has changed things significantly and things can change at the drop of a hat. So I wanted to look my absolute best and be as prepared as possible. Because we know that understudies often get no rehearsal at all. On Broadway, they don't get rehearsed usually until after opening night. And good luck at a regional gig. Most of my career has been as a dance captain in cover, and I currently cover two principal roles in Aladdin. I mean, that is the only difference that I'll say. Like, as a cover or an understudy, on day one, you better have something ready because <laughs> they're not going to give you as much time as you would hope. And that's so hard to figure out, like, you know, learning one ensemble track and then understudying one, maybe two roles at the same time while they're learning it themselves. I mean, it's almost an impossible task. That's the hardest thing with being a cover going through the rehearsal process into putting up a show is that you need to be learning, especially if you're an onstage cover, you're learning your onstage track at the same time as the people that you're covering, but you also need to know theirs at the same time. Like, it almost doesn't make sense. My dream in 2016, like my New Year's resolution, was that I wanted to learn a show in its entirety. I wanted to know a show backwards and forwards. And that year, I actually became the dance captain for the first national tour of Aladdin. And I loved and hated that that secret I put in the universe came true. How many people do you cover in Aladdin? Officially, I cover 14 roles. But you also have to teach everybody. Right. So you know everyone's track in that show. Yeah, I, I can do every single track technically in the show and I teach all of them. So I know, yeah, I know what they do. How many people is that? In total, it's 
28 different onstage tracks. Yeah, my brain explodes on a daily basis. Good oh, for you. No, God. you're incredible. You're absolutely incredible. That is. And during those COVID days, I did start going on for uh, female identifying tracks, which uh, upped my number to a little bit more than 14 now. So yeah, I mean, I love my job. I love it. I've also seen you in action. The last time I saw Aladdin, you were on and you were nailing it. I couldn't tell you who I was. <laughs> I saw you after and you had even said you had like a long day of rehearsal. And I think you found out that you were going on like not even two hours before the show or something. And so you were like, all right, here we go. And it, it's just a testament to like how good you are. Goodness. I mean, t thank you. Uh, to be honest, like I, I'm, I know that not everyone loves this job, but I, I do. I mean, I love that I can do the show every day and it can be different. And I say that also acknowledging that there are days that's different and I absolutely hate it. But, you know, I asked for this. I get to know a show in its entirety. I get to know what every person on stage does at every moment and how all of their technical elements work. And I get to help teach them those technical elements, which is really fun. And obviously dance and spacing. And it's just, it's so fun. I want to see you as one of Jasmine's attendants. I love yes. that. Behind these palace walls. I've asked that they start working on my skirt. <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so pushing us into the next question. In your experience, what is a big mistake you find performers make during the rehearsal process? To me, I think locking into something too early. If they find something and then it just does not change. Mm -hmm. And there's so much life and breath still to go in the learning process. And we I haven't even hit the stage. Sometimes I have witnessed, I don't know if it's it's fear or what it is. They'll just kind of be like, I, I've, I've set this. I always think it's so odd when you meet performers that give the exact same performance every single night. Of course, you have to keep consistency. Of course, you have to hit your marks. Of course, you have to hit the notes. But there's a difference between being consistent in that way and not properly reacting to your scene partner. And you hopefully are getting to work with someone who's listening to what you're actually saying. And I think it does that you said that comes down to listening. I think that there's I think there's the, there's some sort of disconnect. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is, but I've, I've seen it many times. And, you know, you yeah. just kind of have to work around it. I mean, I think it's letting go of your ego a little bit and you might not know the best way to do it, especially if you're not listening. You know, if I were to say that that's my number one thing I think is a mistake, the number two thing I would say is not doing your homework. In a lot of the rehearsal processes that I've been a part of or that I've ran, I find that, you know, after I teach you, I expect you the next time I see you to not be perfect, but to have done homework on it so that we can grow each rehearsal and not have to continuously go backwards. I'm finding with a lot of performers in our industry that they believe all of the work should be done in the room. And I think we should rethink that. I, I think there is a certain level of work that should be done at home, that should be worked on on your own in order to push the work in the room forward. So I would encourage homework. It boggles my mind when I see people not prepared 
for rehearsal. Like as someone who like was like a big like school person growing up as well, like you you do your homework. <laughs> like if like when you get the schedule the night before, you look at what's happening the next day and you make sure that you're ready for it, whether that means like reading through and learning the scenes that you're supposed to be staging or reviewing what you've already done and like making sure that you're coming back, like you said, Michael, better than it than you left it. I mean, one of my biggest annoyances, I guess, would be wasting of time. And that can be done by the creative team who might not be prepared for what they're supposed to be blocking or choreographing and by fellow actors who aren't prepared and don't know their lines or don't know their their choreography which ends up wasting everyone else's time in the room you've, you've got to be respectful of your fellow artist time we often talk to young performers about the fact that it's called a play and there should be a level of play that exists in a performance and i 100 agree with that but i think sometimes the word play can be misleading because for the process Play is a part of work. You are playing in the context of a work environment. Well, I also think that there are situations too where we all have to have some grace because there may be people who are not being ill-prepared intentionally. You know, sometimes there's a memorization issue. It gets harder as you get older and sometimes you have to give a little grace to somebody, but also that means you have to work even harder whatever it is, even if it's something that's painful, you have to say, okay, I, I can't let my company down. Like you were saying, you know, you, you like we're all a, a cog in a wheel. So, but, um, but I think that we also could, there are moments that we have to be graceful to other people because some people are whip smart, fast, fast, fast. I'm not like add water, here's the character. Like I'm somebody that I have to really, it has to marinate. I have to understand it for, a while. I'm not one to to lock into something immediately. I, I take time and it may not be till we close and I go, oh, oh, there, that's it, right? Yeah. There's also no shame in asking for help, talking to the assistant director, talking to your dance captain. Hey, can you help me review this? I have no issue at all if anyone does that. If you're like actively working to like try and improve and not just fooling around, that's the best thing I think you can do is ask for help. That does take a lot of vulnerability to do as well, but hopefully the space has been designated as safe and you know, like it, that it feels that way enough that if and when people are struggling, they know that they can come to someone about it and people will have their back. Like that's what a rehearsal mm -hmm. process should be like. I mean, as a dance captain, that's my favorite thing to be asked. When when someone comes out of nowhere and they're like, hey, I need help with X, Y, and Z. Can we run through it? I'm like, absolutely. My job is to make you comfortable and to make you as prepared as you possibly can be to go into a show. Our final question for you two, looking towards the future, what changes would you like to see implemented in the rehearsal room? I want them to be genuinely safe spaces. That comes with feeling supported by the creative team and by the producers. So it's not just people saying that it's a safe space, but in the way that we go about rehearsal, in the way that we're spoken to, in the way that we're taken care of behind the scenes, that that keeps reinforcing the fact that it's a safe space. I'd love to see more diversity and equity in rehearsal rooms and shows as we go on. And also in regards to that being genuinely a safe space to have the resources to make those 
actors and not just actors was not I don't want that just in the cast like I want that behind the table I want that behind the scenes people need to feel like they're taken care of the entire time recently I did a show and um the lead of the show was black and they hired a hair person that couldn't necessarily cut black hair and they didn't say anything. They just kind of went ahead and did it. It did not go amazingly. And so then that actor had to go and try and get it fixed elsewhere. And that is not okay. And like I said, that's not the first time that I've been a part of a process where that has happened. And so that's that's where I go back to like, if you're trying to cast in a way that reflects the world today, as you should, you need to make sure that those people don't feel othered or different or like they have to make compromises or try and make up for the fact that you weren't thinking of something like this. It doesn't just come from like the casting or the hiring. It comes from all the work that you put in behind the scenes to make sure that those people have the best opportunity for success. And Aaron, adding on to that, I also want to add that it's important that our white allies know that sometimes we may need their help too. I was in a show last spring and I was one of the only people of color in the room. There was no one of color behind the table and no one, none of the producers or artistic staff uh, were people of color either. And there were some little microaggressions, I'll call them, that were happening because of the nature of the show. And I felt uncomfortable at a moment. So I went to the actor who was playing the lead, who was white, who I knew ahead of time. And I said, hey, this feels kind of weird. And he said, yeah, it is kind of weird. I'll never forget what he said. He said, it is not your responsibility as one of the only people of color in this room to take this burden on. So I will take care of it. Don't worry. And he went to the creative team and changes were made the next day. There was a lot of talk over the pandemic about how allies can improve, how producers and creative teams can improve. And this was an amazing example to come back to. And it set the bar very high for how artists can help each other out in the rehearsal room. That's incredible. And I'm so glad you shared that story because it's really encouraging to have examples of how to be a better ally in the process. I would love for cell phones to not be allowed in a rehearsal room. I'm sorry, but I just... <laughs> really can't bear it. I am guilty of it. I'm, I'm, I'm the person, but I, I, you know, I, I think, I think Mark, I'm going to get my cane out. I think back to the days I've done so many shows with extraordinary people, but I remember being in a rehearsal room with George Hearn. And I just remember that, and Dick Latessa. And I, I mean, I could go down the list of like extraordinary actors who I respected, actors, actors, everybody, players. And the way I learned most was watching. And there was no distraction. Like, I remember somebody getting in trouble because, like, it was the New York Times crossword puzzle you try to hide in your binder <laughs> and, like, do that. And they'd be like, you know, that was distracting. Like, you couldn't even have, like, the New York Times crossword puzzle. That was the way to pass time, right? I'm always amazed, especially with young people in a room that... I just think just this is where you learn. Like if you just watch people working and how they're interacting and how they're speaking to each other and just get off the phone, 
there's nothing there that's going to help you in this moment. And it doesn't make you a better actor and posting doesn't make you a better actor. I sound so old fashioned, but oh, I agree with you. I am all for, I'm all for social media. Like everyone needs to do what they need to do. But I think in that sacred space, in that room, watching how the musicians are working out a song, something new, you know, just, I mean, I, I did the out of town tryouts of little miss sunshine, Bill Finn's, it's a friend of mine, huge friend, and watching he and Lapine and, and other people, like how they worked out, a, how it came to be, how things came to be. I mean, I've been in so many original shows, and I just think I am so glad that I was watching those moments. You saying that reminds me of, I, I had a professor in college, and whenever she was running a rehearsal room, she would say that if you were in the room, even if you're not working up on your feet, if you are in the room, then you need to hold the space for the people who are working. And it, it just, it's, it's an energy thing. It is, I think so. And if, and if you can't do that, then they, they should permit you to, to leave the room if that's what you need to do. But yeah. when you look around a room and you see people in many corners on the, like on their phone, you're like, oh, wow, maybe this whole thing doesn't matter. In terms of safe spaces in a rehearsal process, I really hope that we get to a point where we can embrace failing more in a rehearsal process than succeeding. You know, I think part of that is time allowed for rehearsal processes in the industry right now. I just feel like so many people go into rehearsal processes right now thinking, I've got to get this right the first time, I have to nail this, and then I have, we can continue forward. And I'm like, no, no you should probably get it wrong, like, a lot. And then we'll work our way up from there. And I think a lot of that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with imposter syndrome, where, you know, if I don't get it right the first time, maybe I shouldn't be here. You know, I just hope that the creative spot process can become a space where we can celebrate the failure and give really solid critique to move forward from there. And I, I know for me, with my imposter syndrome, not only do I worry about, oh gosh, the creative team is going to think that they made a bad choice. I also get nervous because I'm like, oh my God, like all of my castmates are like, oh God, how did he get this part? And um, and, and I know that's something I need to work through as well, but I fully, I, we've been using the word safe space a lot and that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, but it, it, it should, like the rehearsal room should be a place where you feel free to fall on your face and know that the people in that room have got your back. Amen. I love rehearsing. I love <laughs> You know what I love more than rehearsing? You too. And you too, Michael. Thank you so much to all our guests for joining our conversation. Please stick around for a post-show discussion with Michael and I. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wow, I am obsessed with Sally and Aaron. And I, of course, knew them before, but now I'm... Yeah. Doubly obsessed. I mean, we're just like reeling from the energy of that episode. They both had such distinct and interesting opinions on mm -hmm. the rehearsal room. I, I, I didn't think about the cell phone thing, but Sally, of course, like Sally 
when she started in this business, that was not part of the game. And now yeah. it is like the only thing that I feel like cell phones is like a huge right. part of the rehearsal process. And her bringing that up, I was like, oh yeah, cell phones kind of suck. Yeah. And hot tip, I know some directors and choreographers who if they see you with a cell phone in the room, they probably won't work with you again. <gasps> Hot tip, hot tip. What if I'm recording voice memos, vocal parts of my... Well, that's different. Like, okay. I think I think it's it's the text, it's the down <laughs> in it texting moment. You know what I mean? Yes. I think that they're, you know, like she was saying, like, if you're in the room, like, give your energy to the room. Also, learn. Like... Yeah. If you're in the room, be in the room. Yeah. I really loved when we were talking about stories of when, of rehearsal process we enjoyed. It always seemed like it was rehearsal processes that felt like a, the cast was a team you were in a space where you could be authentically creative. I think sometimes people forget theater is all about community. Yeah. And it's all about, it's not, even if it's a one-man show, there are so many people behind the scenes that you need the support of as well. Mm -hmm. And especially that happens in the rehearsal room. So just, you have to know that, like, community is a huge aspect in making sure that you're supporting each other. Yeah. I think we're both, obviously super aware that the reason rehearsal processes have been shortened is solely a, a fiscal aspect. Yes. And I'm not saying I do not understand that. I totally get it. I just think that hopefully we get to a point where we're able to have a rehearsal process that brings about a creativity and high quality. And I'm not saying I think anything I've seen of late is not high quality. It's just, what if you had another week? Man, could you imagine what some of the shows we've seen could be if they had another week. Be night and day. Yeah. Or it'd be exactly the same, but you don't know. And I think that's 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 what I think we all hope for. Right? Yeah, that, yeah that's a bummer that's happening right now, but... It's, but it's the reality of the world we're in. Yes. And, you know, we have to live in that. So I was super excited to hear them talk about how to prepare for whatever that process might be. I like discussing the balance between preparedness and keeping yourself open to what happens in the room. But I think that's a really hard balance that sounds much easier than it actually is. Oh, fully, because sometimes you're like at home in your bedroom practicing this line or this riff or whatever right. it is. And then you get in the room and you're like, oh, this actually doesn't make sense with what yeah. is going on around me. Right. But I think also what you just said, you have to go in with the awareness of being accepting of the fact that it might not be right. Yes, and I think that's actually really hard for people. Well, it's hard also because theater, not everyone understands or is able to grasp that theater is a living, breathing organism, mm -hmm. especially in the long-running shows. And that doesn't mean you should change the choreography or change your blocking, but you have to be able to adapt when new people come in. Yeah. You have to be able to listen to your scene partner, which is, is like acting 101, but some people forget. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes, you know, especially with long-running shows, it can be it can become an autopilot situation. And that's really hard to break. It's also really unexciting to watch. We finished this episode just, like, geeking out about how much we love the rehearsal process. I love a rehearsal room. I love getting to explore. I love getting to collaborate with the creative team on how to put something on its feet. Yeah. Anything that's getting ready for opening night that can, like, make it more enjoyable. Yeah. And anything that I think also helps you connect to the people on your team, whether it's cast, whether it's designers, like, you know, feeling collaborative brings about confidence and safe space, I think. I never want to be afraid of the director or choreographer. I no, you, oh to. no, oh no. I think and that happens, and I've been there several times. Yes. 
That's not the vibe, and that's, that's not, not the, the future we want. That's not, not the future all. of the theater we want. Good people make good art, man. Yes, they do. And you know what, Michael? <laughs> You're good people. You're good people. Thank you so much for joining us for episode three of Generations. We had such a blast chatting with Sally and Aaron, and we hope you did too. Tune in next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.